So it's time to hope again. Amen, church? Would you look with me at Romans chapter 5 for a moment? Before we look at these verses, which you can't read because the print's too small, Romans 5 is like a graduation chapter. It's like in Romans chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, he laid a foundation of elementary understandings about what Christ did for us on the cross and who we are now in Christ and that we are the beloved of God. But as we enter into chapter 5, he begins to now take us from this elementary understanding and graduate us to a college level. And what I'm about to read for you in these five verses is not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who want an easy Christian life. It's for those who want what God has for you. And to realize that there's greater things that God has for all of us. He just keeps on wanting to fill us with his fullness. And oftentimes I know there are believers who have been Christians for 15, 20, even 30 years. And they still do not fully understand how God works. And when you don't realize the ways of God, you're wondering, why are you taking us through the wilderness? And you complain when you come to the Red Sea. You complain when you come to the bitter waters. You start to now create a golden calf in your own life of an idol of how to worship God, traditions and ways of doing things, traditional or functional Christianity. Why? Because if you don't understand the ways of God, you won't be able to receive all that he has for you. And hope is something that is available to all of us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, irregardless of the circumstances that you face. But how do we get it? How does God provide it to us? Because until you're ready for God to upgrade you, he will upgrade you. He will always patiently wait for you to get ready until he's ready to upgrade you. No teacher who is a loving, good, successful teacher just simply allows her students to go from grade to grade without passing the test. Why? Because that test proves whether or not you're ready for what? The next grade. And God is the same way, but I want you to realize there is no failing with God. Amen. Yeah, right. I failed plenty of times. But there's no failing with God. He just says, let's take the test over again. And the Holy Spirit is there every step of the way calling you into the very things that you need to understand about God. And I hope that my messages that I've been sharing with you specifically about the journey begin to help you understand the ways of God. Because on this journey, the Father is absolutely delighted to make us just like his son, Jesus. Because remember, his primary intention and purpose of the journey is identity, not destination. And Jesus has paid a price for us to be elevated, risen with Christ, to be upgraded. And the Holy Spirit is now the genius who is working that finished work inside of our life. So I'm going to read these set of passages and then we're going to go through them one by one because I want you to catch something that is so important about your relationship with God. So it says, therefore, having been justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also what? Rejoice or glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance or endurance. And endurance will produce character and character will produce what? Hope. 
Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So let's look at this first verse and just for a moment, and then we'll go through each of the verse. Therefore, having been what? Now, justified is so important. Many of you maybe were not here when I shared this, but in the Old Testament, I just want to bring it up again. It's it's a game changer for anybody who's relating with God. In the Old Testament, the sinner would bring the lamb to the priest. They had certain requirements of what kind of lamb they were going to bring for the offering, the sacrifice of their sins. When they brought the lamb to the priest, the priest would then have the man or examine the lamb and then would have the man put, the sinner, put his hands upon the lamb's head. And there would be a transference of the spotless purity of that lamb onto that man and that man's sins would now go upon that lamb. And what happened when the lamb had been examined and found perfect? The man was now what? Walking away justified. I want to always remind you of this. The priest never, never, never examined the man who brought the lamb. He only examined who? The lamb of God or the lamb. And who was Jesus on our behalf? He was the lamb of God. Worthy is the lamb that was slain, amen? And so God does not examine, he examines Jesus, who is the perfect lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. So when God looks at you, he looks at who first? The lamb of God, and then he declares us to be justified so we can walk away, not with all of our sins still on our shoulders, we can walk away going, I'm justified. And so, therefore, having been justified by what? Faith. Believing and putting your trust in the Lamb. I am justified with God when I put my trust in the Lamb because God puts his trust in the Lamb. And so he was, what? He was, how does it say it? He was, uh, Romans 4.25. He was laid up for our transgressions and he was raised for our justification. That because of my sin, he went to the cross. When he was raised from the dead, God declared him, they're justified. Why? Because that sacrifice was perfect. And so I've been justified by faith. Now I have what? Peace with God. Through who? The Lamb of God. So peace means to bind together that which had been separated before. It literally pictures the binding, binding or joining together again that which had been separated or divided. And how many people in this room strive to get closer to God? I want you to realize right now because you're at peace with God, you've been bound together. You are one spirit with Jesus Christ and the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And you have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer you who lives, but Christ lives where? On the inside of you. The good news is this. There's no more fight between you and God. The war is over. There's no more enmity between you and the Father. That means this. He has nothing against you. One more time. Pastor Dan, help us here. He has nothing against you. The war is no more. The fight with God is over. You and I now have peace with God, which means that God has nothing against us. He holds nothing against us. He is now for us. That sin was fully judged by Jesus on that cross. His wrath was fully satisfied because of the perfect sacrifice. And now by his spirit, he is working inside each and every one of us. 
I probably have never read a poem publicly before, but I'm going to do it today. And it's a poem that I came across, and I thought, man, this was just so good. It says, three Christian brothers met one day to speak of things divine. They had so much of Christ to say, with joy their faces shine. The first one said, my brothers dear, by virtue of Christ's blood, my heart retains no guilty fear. I now have peace with God. The second brother answered bold, you lag of heaven's road. I grasp the truth with higher hold. I have the peace of God. The third dear brother drew up tall. He laughed and scarce could cease. My brothers dear, I beat you all. I have the God of peace. They all had peace. They all were right, but peace in diverse measure. The third had scaled the highest height of heaven's exalted pleasure. It's not just peace with God or the peace of God. You have the Prince of Peace that lives on the inside of you. Amen? Verse number two says these words. Uh, through whom also we have access. Verse number two. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I love how somebody made it one time. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That all the riches of heaven are yours. And I've said this many times is that the essence of the gospel is that I now have everything that Jesus deserved. And Jesus willingly accepted everything I deserved. There was an exchange that took place so that I now, if Jesus deserves favor, I can receive it. Why? Because it's Christ or riches at Christ's expense, or God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. That word stand means to stand in a permanent, secure position. That believers, all of us as sons and daughters, now get to enjoy the grace in contrast to who we used to be. You stand where? In the grace. Don't stand in your works. Don't stand in your own confidence. Don't stand in your own ability. Always go back to the place when you are accused by the enemy, who is the accuser of the brethren. Go back to your place of what? Grace and what? Stand. It's not a treadmill. You don't have to earn your place there. You don't have to pay any due to get on that place. No, stand in the place that was freely given to you by God. And to rejoice means to boast over a privilege or a possession. Have you ever watched my little niece, Taya, open a gift? All right, she knows how to rejoice. She knows how to get excited about something. The anticipation of Christmas is huge for her. And rejoice means to boast over a privilege or a possession. It means to rejoice or to feel joy and great delight. And I know some of you in this room, you don't feel joy. There's no joy at the depths of your souls that is saying, you know what, no matter what I'm going through, man, I'm just so filled with joy. And there's a joy that is yours. It's this joyful confidence that expresses a high degree of confidence in God and what he has done for us. That we didn't deserve it, but he freely did it. So we must rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at verse number three. And not only that, but we also must what? Glory or rejoice in what? I just want to spend a few minutes here. 
How many are facing off with a tribulation? You're like, no, it's like an earthquake, man. It's like a <laughs> tribulation. Paul is writing to us. He's explaining the whole gospel, and he's saying, you now have peace with God. You've been justified. Now I'm going to show you something powerful about who you are in Christ. You can rejoice in tribulation. Do you know what advantage that is as sons and daughters of Almighty God that we have the advantage at our disposal to be able to rejoice in the midst of tribulation? And do you realize it has nothing to do with pretending? This is not lying to yourself. This is not saying, oh, it's like this, but oh, I love when it looks like this. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's about who you are and who he is and what he's working inside your life. That word actually, tribulation, means this. It means to crush, to press together, to squash, to hem in, to compress, to squeeze. A fear, physical pressure. Man, how many have been there before? It's where you have these anxiety attacks. The stress is too great. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And that's why what comes out of our mouth is, I can't do this anymore. I don't, I don't know if I can hold on anymore. I'm done. I quit. I don't have any more left in the tank to give. That language is one of tribulation getting the best of us. It's a pressing together as of grapes. It conveys the idea of being squeezed and placed under pressure or crushed beneath the weight. According to ancient law of England, those who willfully refused to plead guilty had heavy weights placed upon their breasts, and they were pressed and more and more were added until they were crushed to death. Who do you think originated that? God? No, the enemy, and he does the same thing with pressure, and I want you to know this. The Prince of Peace lives on the inside of you, which means this, that although there may be a thousand pounds of pressure on your shoulders, the Prince of Peace is a thousand one pounds of pressure going upward. To where the pressure may seem like you're there, and people will go, man, how are you still standing? How are you still smart? John, how are you still making it? Why? Because the Prince of Peace, he's learning that the Prince of Peace is greater than any circumstance that you could face. And this is what I love about what Paul said. We, he said, we have, in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure who is Jesus Christ in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power of God may be of him and not of us. Do you know why you're going through some of the things you're going through? So that the power of God may be revealed in your life. So that the manifestation of who you truly are and who takes care of you may be manifested in your life. They go on to say we are hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. Why? Because of Jesus. Amen? It says that we are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are struck down, but we're not destroyed. Do you know that treasure that is in earthen vessels did not stop us being struck down? It did not stop us from being pressed together. It did not stop us from being persecuted. But just stop that what's happened to us to happen in us. Amen. So rejoicing in suffering and rejoicing in tribulation is not stoicism. It's not so and I'm just going to make it. I'm just going to make it until the end. It has nothing with you of just toughening it out, of holding yourself strong until you make it. There's nothing worthy about that. It's about realizing the Prince of Peace lives on the inside of you. And many people feel that if they do that, that if they just stay strong and hold on, 
that they're fulfilling the word of God when it comes to rejoicing, but that's not that. There is a place in Jesus where we can rejoice in the midst of tribulation. Like that's the high level of place and the kingdom of God lives on the inside of you. That means in tribulation as believers, not unbelievers, as believers, they have to tough it out as unbelievers. They have to say, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm just going to push through. As believers, we get to rejoice. Why? Because there's hope. There's hope of a better tomorrow. There's hope of a God who loves me. There's a hope that he's good toward me. Because I know that tribulations have a purpose. And I know that my response to a tribulation determines, man, really where I'm at with God. And that even temporary tribulation will produce a greater work on the inside of me. Just think about the runners. How do you get endurance as a runner? Put your muscles under what? Stress. More and more stress. And the more stress they learn to take, the more endurance they have. Sailors must go to sea. Soldiers must go into war. Athletes must push themselves. Rejoice in tribulation produces endurance. Those who endure to the end will be what? So if God is saying, you know what, Justin, and think about this. Oh, please hear this because when I, when I learned this, it helped me to understand that who I am today cannot fulfill what God has for me tomorrow. Therefore, he has to now grow me into who I need to be from here. So if you are just running one mile a day, but you're called to run a marathon in three months, you, you, you better know that you don't stay at one mile. And if God is calling me to do this, which he has called me long ago to be a pastor, do you know that he had to prepare me to be a pastor? And there's a lot of crazy things that he took me through. And there's a lot of crazy things that he's going to take you through. Why? Because who you are today is not ready for who he's calling you to be. Therefore, he has to amp up your endurance so that when you come here and you face the weight of 250 pounds, it was like the weight of 110 here. But you can handle it here because you've been trained by your father. Romans 5 verse 4. Look at this in verse 5. And this perseverance produces what? Character. Character. Are you seeing the ways of God? How many pray, Lord, just make me like Christ? And you're waiting like, I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to receive it. And he goes, oh, okay, we're going to just take you on a little journey. Don't be scared. Um, you may feel like we need to go this way, but we're going to go this way. Because I'm going to develop you and develop your character. And it says that character then produces hope. This anticipation that God is going to show his goodness on my life. Why? Because I've been through the battle. I've been through the storm. And he's just raising me up as a son and daughter. So hope is this confident expectation of God's goodness. I love that song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is what? Sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He is interested in you. The worship team can come up. It's our character that God is after. 
in our character is who we are, our new man, our new creation. He wants to call us up, and that's why I say that all the time. God is calling you up. He's not calling you out. He's calling you up into who you are because he knows who he made you to be. And this is why, in love, he introduces us to suffering and tribulations and trials and disappointments and anguish. Why? Because he knows who you are and he knows who he is. So he knows that whatever it is that you're facing is just a momentary light affliction. But it's working in you a far greater zeal for God. Amen? So these are an indispensable part of the journey. And I wish that each and every one of you could see that. These things come because he loves us and because he has given us his Holy Spirit to do the very work inside of our lives. So let me encourage you not to give up hope. In a verse that me and my father-in-law kind of went over this past week was Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And me and Pastor Dan and Patty are going to pray for you these words. May the God of hope May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See that right there? That's your part. His part is he is the God of who? And he is going to fill you. Those who come up today, he is going to fill you with joy. He's going to restore the joy of your salvation. He's going to fill you with peace when we what? Believe. And here's what I heard the Lord say last night to me is, do not come up here and go, God, free me of my disappointment. No, just say, I'm ready to be done, and I receive what you have for me. There's a difference between God, just get this disappointment off of me. No, 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 believe and just say, you know what, I'm done with this thing because you are a child of God. And if Jesus wouldn't live in disappointment, discouragement, and despair, you don't have to either. Because as he is, so are you in this world. And I'll close with this final verse from Hosea chapter 2, verse 15. Look at these words. Oh my gosh, I, I just saw this two days ago as I was studying. I will give her vineyards from there. And the valley of Achor. That valley of Achor in the Hebrew means troubles. Look at this. And the valley of Achor... Like he just said, I'm going to give her vineyards from there. And what is he going to give them? A valley of what? As a door of. Can you imagine when we finally realize as sons and daughters that troubles are not troublesome to us? That he's raised us up in Christ Jesus. He has caused us to sit from his perspective and go, Oh my gosh, the valley of Achor, the troubles, they're my door of hope. Because I now realize I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. That my troubles are actually an opportunity to rejoice and to show who lives on the inside of me. That I don't have to be fearful and filled with worry because of what I'm going through. I realize this is setting me up to be who he's called me to be. Amen? So Pastor Patty, would you come up? Uh, Pastor Dan, would you come up? You can be in the middle. Pastor Dan, right over there. As we sing this next song, and then I'll come back off and close. If you're in a place of despair, who cares if people see you? We've all been there. Pastor Dan's going to...
pray a bold prayer over you. Aunt Patty is going to pray for those who are discouraged. Despair is, you know what, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Discouragement is, I don't know if I can make it anymore. Disappointment is, man, I'm just struggling with how this has turned out recently. I want to encourage you to come on up so that I can pray for you, we can pray for you, and watch God lift the spirit of heaviness off your shoulders and give you an oil of gladness. Amen? So would you please stand with me as we sing this one final song, and then I'll come up and I'll dismiss.